On this first day of August, at Martyr Shrine in Ontario, the National Shrine to the Canadian Martyrs, we celebrate with you the 18th Sunday in Ordinary Time that we pray with St. Ignatius Loloya. Our presider today is Father Michael Knox. Our co-celebrants are Father Patrick Holdricks, Father Stephen LeBlanc, Father Robert Folio, and Father Louis-Martin Clotier. And our reader today is Sherry Chapman. The mass intentions for today are for the healing for Mr. Antonio Perna, and the intention of the members of the Martyr Shrine Association and our benefactors. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Sisters and brothers, as we pray together here in the chapel of St. Ignatius, under our beautiful Trine Church of St. Joseph, we include in our prayers this Sunday and invite to join us the soul of our founder of the Society of Jesus, St. Ignatius, we believe in heaven now intercedes for us continuously as us Jesuits and our collaborators and all who labor with us in our various apostolates around the world strive to continue to live out the Ignatian tradition and strive to live out that Jesuit spirit for each of us who were called to vows to live in following the rule of our constitution. We do so today because yesterday marked the Feast of St. Ignatius, the 31st of July, when Jesuits and collaborators and friends and benefactors in all our various communities gather to celebrate together, asking for God's love and mercy, for the grace of the Holy Spirit to continue to infuse our lives and help give us direction as we journey under the banner of Christ's cross, serving humbly in the order. I invite you to join us as we pray with Ignatius during this Mass today, and as we pray with him and with your prayers to include those that have been asked to be brought up in this Mass. And as always, as we begin this sacred liturgy, we take a moment to reflect on the gift of our life, the gifts we've received and lived out of in this past week, but also the challenges that we face Perhaps the sin that weighs upon us that we carry, that we wish to offer up to the Lord, seeking ever greater spiritual freedom. And so we pray, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. 
And may Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us of our sin, and bring us to life everlasting. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of good will. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus the Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. And we pray. Draw near to your servants, O Lord, and answer their prayers with unceasing kindness, that for those who glory in you as their creator and guide, you may restore what you have created and keep safe what you have restored. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. And now let us listen attentively to the living word of God. A reading from the book of Exodus. The whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The children of Israel said to them, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them, whether they will follow my instructions or not. I have heard the complaining of the children of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. The house of Israel called it manna. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord gave them the bread of heaven. The Lord gave them the bread of heaven. Things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us, we will not hide. 
We will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. The Lord gave them He commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained down on them manna to eat and gave them the bread of heaven. The Lord gave them the bread of heaven. Man ate of the bread of angels. He sent them food in abundance, and he brought them to his holy hill, to the mountain that his right hand had won. The Lord gave them the bread of heaven. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live, in the futility of their minds. That is not the way you learned Christ. For surely you have heard about him and were taught in him, as truth is in Jesus. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to clothe yourself with the new man, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were at the place where Jesus had given the bread, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, When did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to Jesus, What what must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that what we may see we may believe? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Gospel of the Lord. In our life, from the time we are born until the time we die, there are many influences upon us that shape who we are. Some philosophers and sociologists and psychologists have suggested at various times throughout the centuries, indeed millennia, that we are born with what we are inside of us. That who we are to blossom into as a person is all the stuff that's in us. And whether that be from a god or whether that be from genetics, it's all there and it comes to the floor. The luck of the draw and the combinations of our parents. Other psychologists and philosophers and sociologists suggest that we are born with basic things like reason, memory, emotion, but we are very much like a white board, clean and empty. And as we live our life experiences, as we witness our parents, our brothers and sisters, our friends in school, the people we work with, role models we may decide to have in our lives, this consciously and subconsciously shapes who we are to become. But another factor in both those circumstances that is very big on who we are is what we learn from our family and society as to what is valuable, what is attainable, what we should ambition for, and what it means to live a decent, healthy, successful life. We cannot ignore these factors. And as an aside, what's fascinating is that that movement and vision that's put forward by the society around us as we grow is not always, and often not, in line with what the Christian teaching of life suggests. And so we start out on our trajectory, and we learn that it is important to have food in our homes to eat. As children, we learn that. And we learn right away that it is important to go to school and to receive an education, because there reaches a time when we have to turn the cartoon off or we can't play outside and our mother or father or grandparent took us by the hand and brought us to school for the first time and says, this is the priority of your day. And as we're in school, we learn about the world, but we also more and more in the education system learn that the objective of education is to receive certain skills in order to find employment. And the level of those skills that we have access to, depending on our economic situation, sets a tone that is then acknowledged by the companies that will hire us. 
So sadly still, if you went to a certain school and received a certain kind of training, you may have a greater chance than if you received another kind of training because the professors over here are known to know more. And unfortunately, those schools often cost more, which means only those with the resources can go to it. And with this skill-based idea, I have my high school degree, I have my university degree, I've learned these things. Then you apply for a job and you enter into a world where you are largely acknowledged not on who you are as a person, but what your skills are and how effective you are in achieving goals that the institution you're working for puts forward, whether it's selling something or making something or building something or communicating something successfully. And wrapped up in that success is your compensation. And so from your education, you get into a job that has certain priorities and skill sets that you need, and those skill sets set your compensation. And your work is providing you your money. And how valuable you are perceived is how successful you are. And that is acknowledged in our society by the money that you make. And then from there, you realize that there are certain things that you need to show as part of that success and part of that development in your skills being used. There are ideas around what kind of home you should have and a vehicle not only to get to work to use your skills to be compensated, but also what kind of vehicle you have might be a statement to those around you of how successfully you are utilizing those skills and how well you are being compensated. And the objective is to be in that work environment as long as is necessary to receive the right compensation. And then you step away and you retire. And the goal is that in retirement, there are a series of comforts around you that maybe at that time you can start asking larger questions. Maybe it doesn't matter anymore because you're out of the system and you're self-sustaining in your home and you have what money you have. Maybe you've raised children and set them off on that same trajectory. And maybe now in your 60s or 70s, you can sit back in the garden and reflect about deeper things in life because you don't have those eight or nine or 10 hours a day that you're working, using your skills, getting the compensation. And the materiality around you are meant to be rewards for the using of those skills that acknowledge your value based on how successful you are. And so material things become a sign of success and become part of a value system. These are not things that come naturally from who we are. These are things that we learn through the structures of our society that we have accepted. And they are not all bad the free hand of the market, the opportunity to achieve and rise up and use your skills to receive greater compensation that would bring greater comfort and greater security, but also greater status. And maybe some people use that status to help other people and decide to turn their compensation around. There are benefits, but there's also a danger. 
And for us as Christians, we are invited to continuously reflect on that danger. Because if the skills you need in your education to receive a certain level of compensation become the most important thing, if the desire and the effort to receive that compensation and material comfort becomes our end goal, good and faithful servant, done well, you have $2 million in your retirement fund, you paid for your children's education, your home you have, you have two cars, your wife or your husband has health benefits, well, good and faithful servant, well done. But there's that whole other element there of who we are as people, as persons, separate from what we have in the bank or where we live or our success rate at our work. There are deeper movements within us and as Christians, through Christ, it has been revealed to us notions of soul, of deeper meanings that go beyond the material world that look through it to what supports it and is behind it. There are deeper meanings in relationships. That's why marriage isn't a contract. Children are not on obligation. Marriage is love. Children and caring for them are love. And we could go even further and say that our job is not for compensation. We could talk about a vocation and a calling forth from the Holy Spirit and the flourishment of our gifts towards a role in our society that helps to build it, not only materially, but more important, spiritually, intellectually, morally, ethically. When the manna fell to feed the Hebrew people, was it the bread that was the most important thing that they raked up from the desert floor? Or was it its testament to God's love and care for them that was the takeaway that they were to enter into? In the gospel, we don't get it, we get it right at the end. There was just the miracle of the loaves and the fishes, and now the people can't see Jesus and the disciples and apostles anymore, so they're looking around. And Jesus says when they find him, I know why you're here. You're here for the bread. And they even ask, show us more signs. Show us even more. Look how the Hebrew people were cared for every day by God in the desert, and there's no mention here, but don't forget the serpent, where God put up the serpent, and there was the healing of all of the people. Miracle after miracle that began with the falling of fire from the sky and the parting of the sea and ended with the Jewish people's entry into their new homeland as Moses said goodbye to them and left them to Aaron. Jesus is reminding us that the materiality of this world and pass. His life also reminds us that the honor, the street cred, the prestige can pass. That the wealth we think we hold on to can fade away. Or very easily within a culture 
decrease in value and importance where you need to find more and more to try and achieve. He is reminding us that there is a deeper reality that we are to be in touch with. And this, he believes, as we see throughout his preaching in Scripture, provides a freedom. Jesus followed every bit of the law, but he gave it new meaning and it was transformed. Jesus did not reject society because how could God reject society since we know God is one of history laboring in it? But he changed our perspective of everything around us and refocused the meaning behind everything we have and what we do. And this freedom, sisters and brothers, is at the very heart of what the Church gives thanks for in the life of St. Ignatius. Of his own story, we could all here speak for hours. But needless to say, we know that he was a man who sought glory and honor and riches and security according to the tradition of his culture around him. But then in moments of suffering, realized that they were passing things and that there is something greater that is to be sought. And through his reflection in his life of prayer, we have the spiritual exercises which many of you who are watching may have experienced in some form of a retreat. When you went away and you had a spiritual director and you had days of silence and you had scripture to pray on and using your imagination and meditation, it's so hard now in some ways to distinguish an Ignatian retreat since our whole way of experiencing retreats in the Christian tradition really was influenced in one way or another by the spiritual exercises. But at the heart of in many ways, at the heart of one of the key elements of the exercises is a first principle and foundation. It's literally called the first principle and foundation. And each of us here in this sanctuary had to enter into that text and was, it was radically placed before us as we prayed with Christ through the landscape of the exercises. And the very first thing that we get is Ignatius's own realization where he says to us that all things were created by God and that all things must be used according to how we are to serve him. The material world is not a God unto itself. The social constraints of our society are not a god unto itself. The laws of our society are not even a god unto themselves. The television and media is not a god unto itself. We know Christ because he says, I am the bread. I am the bread. So there's a certain level of freedom in recognizing that God gives us everything that we have, like the manna that fell, but there's a deeper level of spiritual freedom that Ignatius in his tradition and the Jesuits 
try to live themselves and try to invite others to say that I, I am at the core. God is at the core. And the bread is a fruit of that. And so in our Ignatian tradition, we are presented with a spirit that is actually very present in today's gospel and in the reading as St. Paul suggests that we have to put on something new. We have to be transformed as human persons in our relationship with Christ. We have to put aside old ideas, or at least in the context of the Pauline literature, reorient our understanding of how creation has changed and how we understand it because of Christ's presence. We have Jesus with us now. We have him here in the Eucharist. We have him in the imagination of our hearts. We have them when we open scripture, close our eyes, and ask the Spirit to make him present. We have him in the confessional. We have him through all the sacraments we've received. We have him in the mystical body of the church, even in the struggles we face right now with recent revelations. Those are decisions of individual people. But there is Christ in the mystical body of the church. And what we are invited as Christians to understand is that our fulfillment comes in relationship with him. Our understanding of ourselves comes from our relationship with him. Our view of the world comes from looking through his eyes in love with him. And so that trajectory, whether it was placed on us as whiteboards when we were born or whether somehow it was part of all kinds of social structures and genetics and so on, that is invited to change, to grow, to deepen, to reorient as we grow in relationship with Christ. So that education isn't about skills, it's about growing in our understanding of what it means to be human. So that our employment is not about making ends meet. Though for many of us, I know, we're caught in, we, we have to be in that. We have to support our family and the world around us is like that. But ultimately, if we all live this message, if the world lived it, our jobs would be vocations. And our skills would be the nourishment of the God-given talents we have for the betterment of the world. And in this view, the material things around us, that manna, is gift. And that gift from God is meant to meet our desires and the gifts that we have within us and together be used to all move even more as a society towards Christ. In as much as they're helpful, wonderful. In as much as they stand in the way of that relationship, of that growing as a civilization of love, we put them aside everything in their right place, and that our center, Christ. This is our ultimate vision coming from Ignatius, who we honor today, as we ask him to pray with us, and who we honored yesterday on his feast day. This is the vision that we strive for here. This is the vision that the martyrs lived from. They didn't come here seeking glory and honor and praise, wealth and security. It was seen as the least of the missions in the world. 
They didn't come here for a healthier life. It was seen as one of the most difficult places to live. They didn't come here for a long life because it was considered one of the most dangerous places to serve others. And that was also true for their Christian faithful. The Wendat who embraced Christ and journeyed with them, there was much sacrifice. But ultimately in the relations, and I think in our lives, there are many testaments through the saints and through people in this very chapel today that having that right ordering of life and being centered on one's relationship with Christ is ultimately the most important, important reality and more important than anything or any status. So as we pray together today with St. Ignatius, as we offer ourselves along with the host and the wine at the altar of the Lord, may we also be transformed as that bread and wine is into a deeper sense of that union with Christ. May we become all the more one with him, those who are here and you at home as you share in this great miracle. May we become more one with the Lord and therefore freer and more ourselves. And so we offer our prayers to the Lord. Let us pray for all of our Jesuit institutions around the world, for all the Jesuits who labor there, and for all of our lay collaborators, and for our benefactors who support our mission, that all of us together may grow closer in our relationship with Christ, we pray to the Lord. Let's pray for our culture around us, that it may encourage all the more a freedom that allows each person to flourish and live their lives authentically. We pray to the Lord. Let's pray for our continued relationship of truth and reconciliation and healing with our First Nations brothers and sisters across the country. We pray to the Lord. Let's pray for vocations to priesthood, to religious life, to married life, that more and more people may listen to the call, that quiet call of Christ in their hearts and respond generously. We pray to the Lord. Let's pray for the healing of Mr. Antonio Perna and for his family. We pray to the Lord. And we take a moment in silence for your own prayers at home as we join with you in St. Ignatius, offering them to God. For these intentions, we pray to the Lord. Now, having gathered all of these prayers together, having reflected on the living word, 
Let's now turn to God together and profess the faith that we hold so dear as we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Father in heaven, we have turned to you with our prayers and professed our faith lovingly in you. We ask that you hear these prayers, and if it be your divine will, help us to bring them to fulfillment. And we make this prayer through Christ Jesus, our Lord. St. John de Brebeuf, St. Isaac Jogues, St. Gabriel Almont, St. Antoine Daniel, St. Charles Garnier, St. Noël Chabonnel, St. René Goupy, St. Jean de la Lande, St. Cadre Tecaguida, St. Ignatius Loyola, St. Joseph, Patron of the Martyrs, Holy Mary, Queen of Martyrs. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have this bread to offer you. Fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have this wine to offer you. Fruit of the vine and work of human hands it will become for us our spiritual drink. Pray, sisters and brothers, that my sacrifice and yours may be made acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Graciously sanctify these gifts, O Lord, we pray, and accepting the oblation of this spiritual sacrifice, make of us an eternal offering to you, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For out of the compassion for the waywardness that is ours, he humbled himself and was born of the Virgin. By the passion of the cross, he freed us from unending death, and by rising from the dead, he gave us life eternal. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these most sacred mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, grant that we, who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. <clears throat> may he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain and may thanks with the elect 
especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles, O glorious martyrs, Saint Ignatius Loyola, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O oh Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis our Pope and Thomas our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned here before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the whole world. And to our departed brothers and sisters and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. And there we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ the Lord, through whom you bestow on this world all that is good. Through him, and with him, and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. And now together we join in the prayer that the Lord himself taught us as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And, with your and now at home, let's pray if you're together with someone offering peace, but if you are on your own, pray for peace in this world, peace in places in your family or life that you feel needed, as we offer each other a sign of some peace. Lamb of God, 
Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, but loose in us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Happy are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter into my but only say the word and my soul shall be. Let us pray. Accompany with constant protection, O Lord, those you renew with these heavenly gifts, and in your never-failing care for them, make them worthy of eternal redemption. Through Christ our Lord. I wish to thank you all for joining us again today in the St. Ignatius Chapel here at Martyr Shrine. It's a joy to celebrate this Mass with my brothers, from Maison St. Marie House, our community, as we will in the next few days be reflecting uh, past the feast day on the value of our vocations and the call that Ignatius invites us to, and perhaps some of you as companions with us in our journey. 
I'd also like to thank you for your continued financial support to Martyr Shrine. As we move out of the COVID-19 reality, left upon us is the weight of that effect, where we are working hard to keep the Shrine in good order, to keep things stable and ready, and starting to look ahead for our opening next year with all of the costs that will be involved in that. Everything you give to us goes directly to that effort, and we are so grateful for what has been given, and pray that that generosity may continue as we continue forward with Christ, preparing to, with the martyrs, open this sacred place for you again. The Lord be with you. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Mass is ended. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.